0: Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. When I came to be your pastor here at East Haven almost a year ago, there were several structures in the building that I didn't notice until months after being here. I really didn't know they were in here. Now, some of you here may be surprised, but there is an organ to my left, and you're right. Now, I grew up having an organ in the church, and I just had not been a part of a church, and just like you that had an organ every week, and there's so many things that can play an organ sound now, the days with technology, but I just didn't even realize that 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 was over there. Now, let me tell you the other thing that I didn't know was in here, where these basketball goes. Sometimes there are things that are obvious that we don't notice. What I want to do today is, is I want to talk about looking beyond the obvious. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the Old Testament book of Numbers in chapter 13 several passages, and then you might flip over to Joshua 14. This is the story or part of the story of the Old Testament character of Caleb. Years ago, I learned about Caleb like many of you, but there was a point in time in my early adult life that read about him, heard different people (laughs) preaching on Caleb, and he became one of my favorite characters. Kelly and I even talked about after we had our first son who we tagged with the name my dad tagged me with Harold Tribble Kitching's the third called him Trey. We thought if we have another if we have another boy, I think we're going to call him Caleb. That's how much we like that name. We're going to we're going to go back and talk a little bit about what that name means and how popular it is even today, but he is one, along with others in the Bible, and his buddy Joshua that we're going to see, that look beyond the obvious. You know, that's really what Christianity is all about. We come to Jesus by faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and being certain of what we, you do not see. Hebrews 11.1. One. And then, from the moment of salvation till we get to heaven, our heavenly home, we're to live by faith. And so this is a faith campaign. This is a way to look to the future. It's a way to look beyond the obvious. I've heard this definition of vision before, and perhaps you remember because I've shared it several times. A mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction of what should be. For example, hungry men. It's because some guys were rowing in the same boat in the same direction. And it's why we want to give it another shot, another try with another semester of hungry men. That is an example of what vision means. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Caleb, Moses, the leader of the children of Israel, had been promised. They'd been promised the promised land. God had told them by faith that one day it would happen. So Moses decided to send out 12 leaders, representatives of the, the tribes of Israel, to go out and spout the land that was supposed to be the promised land. Was it flowing with milk and honey? Was it going to be okay? Were there any uh, objects that might get in the way, so to speak? And so he selected these 12. And Caleb was one of them, and they came back after exploring the land. that's what chapter 13 is all about. And they were a little concerned because they felt like there were giants in the land and they felt like grasshoppers in their eyes. You may have remembered the story. That's what he's talking about. And they were just, well, they were fearful. Why? Because they were looking at what was right in front of them. Instead of thinking about what faith means and trusting in God to do what God had promised he would do. And so let's look at. Verse 13, I'm not going to read all the chapter, but verse 30 says after that report, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Now, let's don't quickly move past that. There's Moses, the leader. God's chosen leader. What a man of God he was and a leader he was of men and of women and taking them into, his, into their future. But all these others say, man, there's, there's giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. We just can't do it. And so one person said it, the other said it, and the majority of them were saying that. And then Caleb did that. Caleb silenced the people before Moses said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Then look at 14, verse 6. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. Verse 9 of Numbers 14, only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Don't you love it? One guy stood up. So another guy who loved God, believed God, trusted in his promises, stood right up beside him. Boy, I like it when a man of God will do something like that. For something that is legitimately right and of the Lord. And then verse 20, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you have asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I promised in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them. In other words, those that just said, I'm a leader, but I don't have the faith to go. God's saying, I've forgiven them, but there are consequences to poor choices. There are consequences to those that aren't wholeheartedly following God and being disobedient in their faith. Verse 23, not one of them will ever see the land I promised an oath to the ancestors. Not one who has threatened me with contempt will ever see it. Verse 24, but because my spirit, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to. And his descendants will inherit it. And then turn over to Joshua for a minute. Chapter 14 beginning with verse 6 and I'll read through 13. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about me. In other words, this is years later. He's a little bit older, a little seasoned. But he still trusted in God. He hadn't forgot what God promised. He said in verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. In other words, he was a young man. You guys that are 40, you young. Feel good about that. He said, and I, I brought him back a report according to my convictions, not my preferences. Not for the good old days. Not to be nostalgic, but out of my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised... He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses while Israel moved in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out, do battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephani, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. We need to be like a Caleb. We need to be forward-thinking. We need to understand that this It's a New Day campaign is about looking beyond the obvious. It's about the future. It's about our children, our grandchildren. It's about having ministries. It's about being able to house people that may not have a place like this for special events or ministries or opportunities. Because God in his sovereign grace has provided us with this type of location and facilities to be good stewards. Not just 10 years ago, not just now, but 10 years from now, 20 years from now and the future. We are responsible for what we're going to do with all this. Let's look at Caleb. Let's consider three characteristics of Caleb and try to be like him and understand that's really, really what this It's a New Day is all about. First one is this. Caleb was different than most people. Now, Caleb is still a popular name. If you do your study, your research, your Google, don't do it now, you'll see that a lot of people still use Caleb. We probably have a few Calebs in the room. Like I said, that Kelly and I were going to name our our, our son, if we had one, Caleb, it means, if you look at the minute, it means wholehearted because Caleb followed God with all his heart, not just on Sundays, not just when it was popular, but he was sold out to God, and when he believed something was right, he followed him with his whole heart regardless of what anybody said or whatever the consequences would be because he did. The Bible said he had a different Spirit, because he had a different spirit. Read the text. And do you know that one Hebrew meaning of Caleb is the word dog? What's up, dog? I like dogs. And I thought there's another reason I like Caleb. He's a dog-type person. He's going to do what's right. He's going to not worry about what other people think. And that's what Caleb Means he's just different now in the Christian life. We need to understand that we are to be different, we're to be in the world and not of the world. Demas, who once was with Paul on missionary journeys, at some point left him because Paul said he loved the world so, we're not supposed to be in our holy huddles all the time, every day. We're not supposed to think that meaning of being a Christian and sold out is to get a Bible as big as this and carry it around and beat people over the head with it. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to necessarily have a certain hairstyle or have to wear a big cross, though some might, or have certain types of hairstyles. It means that we have admitted our sin and put our faith in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are new creation, and we are not to be like anybody else. Even if you have the same name as your dad, we're supposed to be like Christ. We're to have a different spirit. Salvation. And then there's sanctification, that big word that says from conversion to glorification, we get to heaven. We are being transformed into his image. We are working out our salvation. Somebody can have a gym membership. And they have everything they can to help work out the muscles that are there. But if they don't go in there and work out the muscles, it's not going to do any good. We can be a Christian And God gives us everything we need to grow spiritual muscles. But if we take it shallotly and flippantly and just kind of meander around, we won't be able to exercise all the things he's given us to enjoy abundant life here. We make choices every day. Caleb was sold out to the Lord. He believed in sanctification. He believed in growing in his faith someone has said outside the people you meet, the books you read, the places you go, the scriptures you memorize will be the same people. We need to be careful who our influences are because I would also add to that say and who your best buds are. We need to be salt light. We need to be friendly, loving, uh, inviting and minister to everybody, but our closest friends, I don't care what age you are, need to be those that are sold out to the Lord and walking in the same direction that you know the Lord wants you to walk in and I know the Lord wants me to walk in. And just because somebody was that 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago or somebody in your family was like that does not mean that they're to be the major voice in your life or mine. So that's a constant evaluation I have come across uh, uh, several $2 bills last, it was in December. I can't remember why I ended up with them. I'd seen a $2 bill before, but they're pretty rare. And I decided to put one in my study under the, the glass there. It's a reminder for me on a regular basis, you're supposed to be different. That's what the Bible says. Not I'm talking about being odd for God, but it's a reminder I'm supposed to be different. I've got a picture up there, too, of a fish swimming upstream. You could tell it's upstream, and he's like this. Why? It's a reminder. How? You're supposed to swim upstream sometime. You're supposed to be different. Christian friend, you're here today. You're listening. You're watching, you're in the room. Guess what? You're supposed to be different too. Caleb was different. Several, that was almost two years ago, I was in Jackson area for a funeral and I went out to the graveside, and the minister said, I want you to see this epitaph. He'd obviously been to the grave site before and the epitaph read this way. I do my best sometimes. I did, sorry, I did my best sometimes. That's what he said on the tombstone. People come by and see what they said. I did my best sometimes. And I think about Caleb. Here's what I'd say. He did his best most of the time. Not only Jesus is perfect. But as a Christian, he wants us to work as under the Lord. Sure, there's a chain of command. There's a boss. There's checks and balances. But ultimately, we need to do what God wants us to do. He's ultimately our boss, Savior and Lord boss. We get our direction for him, and we please him. I think about these pledge cards that our church family will be getting in the mail in the next week. God willing. And some of those pledge cards will be basically normal. Will you pray about this? Will you give one time? Will you give a certain amount each month? It could be basic things that you've probably thought about that you're just pledging by God's grace you'll fulfill. We'll all have an opportunity to do that. But maybe God is going to lead you to do something different. Now, I have no idea what that might be. It may be you've got a a beautiful condo in Maui, and you realize, you know what? I really don't need that condo in Maui. Let's just sell it and give all that money to East Haven's future. I don't know. Maybe you have a tractor that you've never used before. Or that you used back in the day. And it's, I know what, let's pretend you got a tractor and it's antique. That Abe Lincoln supposedly rode on it back in the day. <laughs> they may not even have tractors, but I don't even know. And it's, it's worth a lot of money. You say, you know what, we, we, we're doing good. We've got, our, we've got something we're going to live with our, leave with our kids and our grandkids. Let's just sell that tractor and give it to the, it's a new day campaign. I don't know. You may have a dog, a prize dog, and you may say, you know what? We got three dogs. Let's sell this prize dog and give the money. I know what y'all are doing. You say, why don't you sell Woodrow? <laughs> That's what you're doing. Now, look, let's don't take this too far. We got to all decide what's right for us. Now, now let me say this. If you want to borrow Woodrow for a week or two for the right price, that'll <laughs> go straight to the campaign, I'll talk to you. So be different, pray about it, decide what God wants you to do. I remember a campaign years ago when I was a student minister at Morrison Hatch and Clinton. And it's the, the phrase was, sacrifices produce great victories. Sacrifices produce great victories. And that's what it needs to be in our lives. We need to be different than most people. Number two, like Caleb, Caleb was more determined than other leaders. Some leaders were stuck in fear. They were afraid of the giants. They did not look beyond the obvious. They were just looking at what's in front of us. And so often, we can do that. I love to watch teachers and coaches who look beyond the obvious. They have certain students or players. They may not make all A's, and they may be strung a little bit in a certain area as far as athletics and certain things on their team, but they see something that maybe the child doesn't see, the teenager doesn't see, or they had recognized as a strength, and they zero in on it. And then that person soars, that student soars to be everything that God wants them to be. I love that, to see coaches and teachers do that. And that's what, when we think about Caleb, we think about the fact that he was a leader that looked beyond the obvious. I started thinking, because I've only been year, what might some people be afraid of as far as committing to its new day at East Haven members? I started thinking, what, what, what might it be? I, I'm not really sure, but let me throw out a few possibilities. Some may be afraid of debt. Well, our church hadn't been in debt preacher, or whoever it might be for decades. And yet, many of us believe in manageable debt with our own house or what we do at our homes. And yet, we may come to church and say, oh, I don't know. That may be, you listen, stand on your conviction. For me, I'm telling you, there's times that I try to have in my own home manageable debt. So I'm thinking, maybe there's some that have been here so long that they've never been of a char- part of a church that's had any amount of debt. If you can have that, fantastic. The church I just left in Florida had been working on some debt for a while. And by God's grace, because of some people about three years ago, burnt their note, and there was no debt. That doesn't mean there may not be a season that they or us or any other church might have some for a while. But I started thinking that could be, that could strike fear in others. And Then I started, what else might it be? What else could cause people to be? Ah, here's one. I'll pick on Phil because he's not here. And I pick on him because I love him. Phil has been here. Y'all know how long he's been here? 95 years. Phil's been here at least 95 years. And there may be those that think, well, what? I wonder what Brother Phil thinks. I wonder what, you know, about the dead or what, what Pastor How? Listen, let me make sure you understand something. I love Brother Phil, but I'm going to not, not do what God's leading me to do as your pastor because of Brother Phil or any other staff member here or any other person here. I am going to do my best to follow God's will, period. And I don't know about you, but we come across people that are pushing against us from doing God's will. Don't let it cause you to back up. Let it energize you. Because that could be a distraction from fulfilling God's will. What else might it be? Maybe Maybe a a long-time deacon. Now, I love deacons. Some people have deacon jokes. My daddy taught me better than that. He told me how. There's some rascals along the way. But deacons can be some of your best supporters, best servants of the Lord, and be legitimately biblical deacons, and also at times be friends. That's what he taught me. I found it to be true. But you may say, well, what if you come across them? I've come across them before, and you have too. We do what is right. I've told you this story before, or some of you. I don't think I've told it in, in the church. When I was at Marson Heights, and we were walking through re- relocating the church, which the things we're talking about are serious. When you relocate a church, and y'all know it, that's, that's a whole nother level of serious when you don't know where the money's coming from, when you don't know at the time where it's going to land. there's a lot of faith involved in that. Paul Nunnery was the head of the Baptist Children's Village. He was the executive director, lawyer by, t- by trade, member of the church, Sunday school teacher, and a senior leader. And I remember we were walking through these different groups explaining Q and A, and we were in a group of senior adults, and there I am, had been their youth minister, early days of being their pastor graduated from Clinton, went to MC. One of the guys that was a leader in the group and one of the founding members of the church was my boss one summer. And so we're walking all through this, and Paul Nunnery, I'll never forget it, he stood up in one of the meetings, and he talked like this. He said, brothers, sisters, I got to tell you what God's been telling me. And so Paul Nunnery went on to say, he said, You know, I started thinking about this. He said, at first, I wasn't sure we need to leave 201 Marson Drive and go wherever. But I get it. We're landlocked, right a room, we're fighting with the neighbors. There's things that we need to do. And you don't look at the office when you think about the future. And here's what he said: He said, I started thinking about when we relocated the village. It wasn't always in Clinton at the time. And he said, I remember there was some distraction and some people that pushed against it because they couldn't see beyond the obvious. And he said, I realize I can't be a part of holding this church back by faith. I'm okay with this now. And I'm going to go with it. And I'll never forget that leader standing up like a Caleb and doing what's right. And the people that followed him because of his godly influence. You know, what's interesting now as we've moved back and Kelly is working for the village. They now don't even have that property. They have properties all over the state instead of one location in Clinton. Why? Because of the vision at, that, at some point while we were gone the last 20 years or so. In order to reach more people, that was a better way to do it. Let me tell you something. The only thing that never changes is God. He never changes. But sometimes he wants us to make adjustments in our life and in our church. Jason Curry. A minister that graduated from Mississippi College years ago said this, Everyone must buy in and work together to accomplish something extraordinary. It takes talent to win, but continual excellence requires unity. A talented teammate who is disengaged or divisive will kill your team. A lack of character eventually leads to consistent losing. We don't want that. We have a number of leaders that have stood strong for this campaign. And let me tell you something, in order for it to be everything it needs to be, we need more. We need everybody rowing in the same direction. We need everybody having faith. And we need to do what God has us to do for the future when we sign that card or we make that commitment. Now, I want to tell you about something I heard recently. It's not in our state. I'll not name the church, but it was a church going through some renovations and trying to decide what their worship center should look like for the future. And the word from this very reliable source is, is that one Sunday school teacher who was an older, long-time member, full of ladies in the class, decided they didn't not need to have pews. They got word that there were going to be stadium seats. And oh, it struck fear in their heart. And they literally sent a a document to the committee and the team and the pastor that said 19 reasons we should have pews in the church. I thought, Lord, help us. What in the world? You say... That, that goes on in our world today. That goes on in Southern Baptist life. That goes on in certain churches. And ultimately, it's because of being selfish, not getting it, not trusting the leadership, and realizing there are bigger fish to fry than a pew or a type of seat. Now, should those be looked at? Yes, That's why you form a group to look at all that. But it's unfortunate that that takes place. Let's not keep our eyes on the giants or whatever they may be. Let's be a Caleb. And remember, it's about the kingdom. It's about kingdom matters. That's far bigger than your preference or mine. And thirdly, in Caleb's life, we see Caleb continued to dream during, during his latter years. God told him, years ago he'd be blessed to his faith because of his faithfulness. He didn't go sit in a rocking chair and chill, though there's no problem with that at times. Not this man. He was going to milk everything out of life he could for as long as he could, and he did. Do you know anybody like that? I do. And you know him too, a lot of you. I've told you before. There's Jesus. There's my dad who's in heaven. And then there's this guy named Dr. Jim Futrell. This past week, a lot of us heard him speak. He was the senior adult rally. We went over there and we listened to him. Now, Dr. Futrell's like 95 or 102. He's not really. But I think he's a Caleb type. I mean, the dude is still fired up about the Lord. I tell people all the time, when I grow up, I want to be like him. For me, he's a good model, a good example. I just like being around him. He had a devotional for our senior adults last year. Here's what it said. The Caleb prayer for the fourth quarter, he gave three points. I wrote them down. I have them with my devotional material. Here they are. The last part of your life be the best part of your life. Let it count the most for God. Don't settle. Keep having faith. Let the last part of your life be the best part of your life. If somehow you can retire or downsize or whatever, that's fine. And it's great to enjoy that. But don't quit on God. And don't stop doing what he's called you to do, whatever it is. The dude is finishing strong. Secondly, the last part of your life be the confessed part of your life. The last part of your life be the confessed part of your life. Tell your story to your grandchildren. Tell them about their relationship with the Lord. Testify to God's grace. Tell your friends why you love them. Understand that relationships are real important. Have joy in your life. Take take God seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. That's another thing I love about him. And then number three, he said this to us. Let the last part of your life be the invested part of your life. Invested in relationships, partnerships, steward of your finances. I went to school with Dr. Bill Miller. AMS close by. He's preached here several times. You probably know Bill. One of the things that, uh, that Bill enjoys doing, among other things, is uh, January Bible studies. That's one of his things. He enjoys doing those. And he told me, and I I texted him this morning to make sure I had it right. Because he's told me several times. He says, he says, how. And he's 73. He said, I have January Bible studies planned for a long time. I wrote down initially it was 2030. So I asked him today. He said, he texted me. He says, have one scheduled for 2044. You can plan, to, he added this, you can plan to be used by God or plan to die. Take your choice. Dr. Bill Miller. That's a Caleb type. We want to be Calebs. Here at East Haven and Brookhaven and Lincoln County, we want to have an impact not just on Brookhaven, Lincoln County, the surrounding area. I I dare say if this was part of the church in the past, and it certainly is now, we want to impact the state of Mississippi and beyond. Why? For kingdom purposes. We don't want to be short-sighted. We want to be like a Caleb and do everything we can to use the resources and look beyond the obvious to what God may want us to do. You've done things like that. Some of the things like this night to shine that's coming up February the 9th. It's close. Training today at 2 for volunteers. That's going to impact beyond just our area. The cross, the Haven cross, that's going to impact beyond just our area. The men's conference that we're working on the last weekend in April. First one or first one in a while. We have a Friday night and a Saturday morning. We have Philip Gunn who's coming to share his testimony with the Lord Friday night. And Jeff Clark who's the pastor at Venture Church. Going to talk about what it means to be a godly man in your home. Will be that morning. That's beyond Mississippi. Shonda Pierce the concert that's coming up. The comedian. There are things like that that we want to do to minister to the state and be ready to minister here like you did last week, the funeral, three caskets right here, and you ready to minister. Heard somebody say he was very familiar with the church, grew up in the church. They were talking to some of our men and bragging on what they were doing and our men and women and ladies and some our staff, and he just looked at them with a real matter-of-fact, said, oh, it's in their DNA. In other words, man, it's awesome. I grew up here. I was here back when they relocated. It's in their DNA. It's who they are. And then one of the ministers that Crystal Springs that had a part in the funeral. Landon Smith, not our Landon. Where you at, Landon? Now, this is a one and only Landon right here. I didn't think there'd be anyone close, and I'm not sure this fellow's close, but he seemed like a good guy, and he's a minister over at Crystal Springs, and he was part of the funeral, and he sent this after the funeral. If you would, please pass this on to all the guys at your church and your pastor. In 25 years of my ministry, I can honestly say I don't think I have been a part of something as tragic as we went through in the past couple of weeks. But East Haven Church went above and beyond to minister to the family and the friends of the family. From there being a guide every corner of your church, taking care of every need that anyone had, how you directed everyone to go through on the night of the visitation, and it flowed so smoothly to the parking on the day of the funeral to your Pastor and your pastor's wife reaching out to us as ministers and praying for us. We were struggling to get through the day to the food provided. I could go on and on. As a minister on the staff of another church, I was challenged to lead our church to minister in such a way that you all did. I know the families greatly appreciated you all, but from the friends of family, we greatly appreciate you as well, all as well. You took a tragic situation and did the best that you could to minister to each and every one of us, Something you all did that did not have to do, and y'all did an excellent job. You definitely were the hands and feet of Christ in those days. That's you. Some of the, you know, there'd be some random folks, oh, Pastor, I bet I'm, look, this is East Haven's DNA. They've done this before. This isn't their first rodeo, and they were ready to pounce on an opportunity to minister to the community, not asking for anything in return. It's amazing, and I'm grateful just to be a part to see what our deacons did, our staff that had been here for a while, and others of you, men and women. Incredible. In Acts chapter 20, As Paul's saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, he says, and the words are in red. If you have the words of Jesus, he knew Jesus said this It is more blessed to give than to receive. A church, I want you to know something. If we're going to keep growing and have a kingdom impact and minister, beyond what we can see right now. And we have financially, numerically, and in baptisms of last year, you know that, and that's because God and because of you and because of the interim time with Gary and others. But if we're going to keep on to the next level, we're going to have to give our tithes and offerings. Why? It costs money to add staff and to renovate. If we must borrow all of this, we're going to lip along. And we're going to be telling me, others, and our community, we are limited in our vision. We can talk all we want, but reckoning day is soon. So don't underestimate your role as a member of the church. Let's be a Caleb by God's grace, and let's press on to everything that God wants for our children, for grandchildren, and people we may not know. Lord, this is your church. Helps to be faithful in our prayers and our ministries and our finances. For your glory and honor, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for our invitation.